This program is paid for by Advocacy United. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Advocacy United or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHD or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Consider a career with the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers. As a Boilermaker apprentice, you'll earn while you learn. We offer excellent wages and benefits. And as part of our no-cost, hands-on apprenticeship program, you'll learn from the best in state-of-the-art training centers and on the job. Become a union Boilermaker and get on your way to a great career. Visit Boilermakers.org or call 844-IBB-WELD. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special. Exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. And welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. Great to be here, and it's a critical time. For all of our viewers and all of our listeners, J-Doc, across the Jacob Network to join us and be with us as we transition into 2024 um, and we create a long roadmap and a long runway of continuing to educate the public, which is the objective uh, and the mission of the show and today's show, I'm sure, with the uh, with our guests that you have scheduled today, um, we'll continue to do that. Absolutely, Joe, and, and certainly um, our goal is to educate the public, but also our policymakers, okay? Um, you know, there's a lot going on in, in our country today when it comes to labor and energy, and what's important is that the decisions that are made, okay, on a daily uh, to minute-by-minute minute even uh, basis are based on people understanding what they are, the consequences, and like you and I always say, working together for a common goal, okay? We have two uh, fantastic labor leaders uh, on today's show, uh, Martin Williams and, and Sean Steffi with the, uh, the International Brotherhood of, of, of uh, Boilermakers, uh, a big uh, supporter of, of our broadcast and, uh, and really a big influence uh, for us creating this, this broadcast. Uh, so many things have gone on across the country. People are making decisions on these issues without really understanding the facts. And by the way, that that goes uh, for our policymakers as well. All, you know, we promote you and I common sense and, and energy, but those decisions impact the livelihoods uh, of, of thousands and thousands of workers. When you talk about the Boiler Makers Union, they're at the forefront, okay, when it comes to our, our energy sector, uh, along with the steam fitters and, and, and a ton of our building trades unions. So um, we're ecstatic to have these gentlemen on, uh, and 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 as important as anything is the decisions that people are making and the opinions that they're forming. We talk about common sense and energy, Joe. We have to make the right decisions, or we will. It, it's almost like touching 
telling a, a young person, don't touch the fire, okay? We need to work together to make the right decisions to impact America and then, of course, the world. And to your point, Jay Doc, there is so much information that saturates the public on a hourly or daily or weekly basis on specific topics where it becomes overwhelming at uh, you know at times and i think that's one of the reasons why you'll hear me overemphasize uh to the listening audience to download our podcast on apple or spotify and re-listen to uh the broadcast if um they want to reconsume some of what you've talked about for sure. That's one way to continue to well, do it. And our podcasts get a lot of downloads and get a lot of traffic. Well, and and Joe, here's the thing. I mean, when you when when you know we're we're we're, we're trying to to set uh, you know we don't have an agenda other than common sense and energy. Of course, um, you know we 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 support uh, our industries and our and our labor unions and our and our energy. Uh, sector organizations and, and, and companies and businesses because there's such huge resources and impact our infrastructure of our daily life. And of course, uh, when you talk about the education, renewables are coming into the market. We're going to talk on this broadcast about, um, you know, the promises to make, you know, to have renewable jobs come in and be part of a, uh, you, you know, a union, uh, your fair wages, benefits, all those things. But that's not happening. So when, when you talk about a lot of information being consumed, a lot of that information is is provided by individuals that have an agenda that is not common sense and energy. That's why I'm ecstatic to have the individuals on the program that we have today. Let's get started. It's the Labor Show with J-Doc and Krause. J-Doc will get us underway after the break. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. Buying a car is a big decision. Makes, models, colors, cost. But soon enough, the government is going to make that decision for you. Delaware and New Jersey are on a collision course to ban the sale of new gas-powered cars. In 2035, you'll have no choice but to buy an electric vehicle in those states. Tell Governor Carney and Governor Murphy to stop the EV mandate and let drivers decide. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. Well, welcome back to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause here on the Jacob Media Network. I'm ecstatic to bring into the program Martin Williams, uh, who's the National Coordinator of State and Legislative Affairs for the International Brotherhood of Boremakers, and of course, Sean Steffi, uh, business agent, Boremakers Local. 154. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thanks, Sean. Uh, Great to be here, Joe. Uh, Obviously, welcome to the show. And this, you guys are are, are regulars on the broadcast. And uh, we're ecstatic, obviously, to kick off uh, 2024 with you both. Um, Let's, you know, we've, uh, we have a ton of listeners. I want them to understand 
uh, a little bit about the Boilermakers. Remind our listeners, if you will, uh, who you guys represent, uh, what type of, of work your members do, and the, and, and the magnitude of the workforce. Sean, in, 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 in your neck of the woods, if you'd address that. Yeah, sure, J-Doc. So here in Western PA, and, you know, uh, we're, we're pretty much fossil fuel driven. We build and maintain our coal plants, our gas plants, natural gas plants. We're also involved in building and maintaining steel mills, uh, petrochemical plants, uh, refineries, paper mills. Uh, the list goes on on everything that's basically in the fossil fuel, you know, driven workforce and construction. Now, you know, Martin, he has the international he represents and we have a few more industries and he could probably touch more on some other things. Uh, and, 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 and Sean, for the record, OK, we've talked about this, OK, so many times. You you yourself. Uh, when you talk about, you know, somebody who cares about the environment and your members, okay, I mean, it, it, you know, it's a part of the fabric of who you are and the boilermakers, correct? That is totally correct, Jay Dawkins. You know, the one thing that I can definitely speak, and I know Martin will agree to this, you know, as boilermakers, we want to be part of the solution to improve the environment and use technology coming forward with like hydrogen carbon capture and things like that. And we, we definitely want to be part of the solution. And we love the environment. Most of my guys are all outdoorsmen, uh, hunt, fish, uh, hike, do the whole nine yards. So, yeah, we're on board. And like I said, we want to be part of the solution. And we, we want to create jobs, not only for the boilermakers, but throughout organized labor. And those are the ways to, to have these jobs. Absolutely. Uh, Martin, if you would, uh, on a uh, international scope, uh, talk about uh, you know uh, the uh, magnitude of the workforce, okay, um, and the and the skill set we're talking about. Right. So uh, again, you know, glad to be here, Joe. Uh, I mean, I just I think I say this every time I, I I appear on. I mean, I just I I love where you know this show is. You know, compared to uh, when it started, and um, you know the the education component is, is vital, but. Um, you know, so the Boilermakers, we're building trades, labor union. Um, we represent uh, approximately 47,000 members in the U.S. and Canada. Um, so Pennsylvania, you know, so Sean talked about the, the membership in uh, Local 154. Um, Pennsylvania is like a microcosm of our entire organization, you know, on the, on the construction side. Um, so we're, we work in heavy industry. Uh, our members uh, uh, you perform services for our signatory employers in uh, power generation, uh, oil and gas, you know, steel. Uh, but we also have uh, thousands of members on our uh, industrial sector side, uh, which is more of a traditional, um, you know, employer-employee relationship, you know, shop environment. But uh, thousands of members in in shipbuilding, uh, you know, rail, manufacturing, uh, you know, and other you know non-construction sectors. And so one of the things, and, and I mean this in an extremely complimentary way, but the, the and so when I say that the, the International Brotherhood of, of Boilermakers is not your granddaddy's union, we do appreciate our granddaddy's union. I don't mean it. it I, I'm just talking about um, you know, the lengths of which, you know, uh, your union leadership, uh, your membership uh, locally and, and internationally 
has expanded the scope of work and training as new incoming technologies come in. What a priority it's been in regards to innovativeness, okay, and uh, adapting to the new technologies, okay? Let's not forget, and this is me talking to me and everybody else, and that is that, you know, we we walk in the steps of greatness of, of, of our forefathers, so we do appreciate that. But just the, uh, you know, what the, the, the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers has done uh, for, you know, the workforce and expanding across the board. Martin, if, if you would, let's let's discuss that, you know, expanding the scope of work, uh, training uh, as a priority for new incoming technologies. We'll talk about carbon capture and a number of things on this program program and and the priority to be innovative in 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 um you know elite union leadership so that you know you can be obviously keeping the your eye on you know what's going on you know what your 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 your, your standard you know form of business is but also the future so um i i think um it it deserves mention that you know our current advocacy for you know the uh, the technologies that we you know that we're, we're constantly talking about um that that's the result of a lot of foresight from you know from our leadership um i mean we've been advocating for uh you know carbon capture advanced nuclear for I mean, well over 10 years carbon capture probably more like 15 years um but also that's the result of the, the cooperation that we have with our signatory employers, you know, so mainly through the the forum of our uh, you know jointly managed apprenticeship program, we're we're always working with our employers, you know, to figure out the training that's needed, not just for the industries today, but you know, for also in the future. Um, so you know, we're we're always working to make sure that we're you know training on the needed skills, um, and I, I'll say as we've engaged in this advocacy, right? One question that comes up a lot uh, from uh, legislators, policymakers is, you know, how how are the boilermakers adapting, you know, to, you know, this transition to a, a low and zero carbon economy? Um, you know, what what are we doing to prepare? And the the answer that I that I give most often is, well, we we continue to invest in ourselves. Um, we are upgrading existing training centers. We're building new training centers. Um, our our reps and our managers are out there recruiting from you know every source possible. Uh, recently, uh, we we opened a um, a new training center at uh, an army base you know in in Georgia, you know to better prepare soldiers leaving the army uh, to have the skills that enter our apprenticeship program. Um, and you know we're we're big supporters of helmets to hard hats, but that program is is uh, complementary to that. Um, you know, we're, we're busy, uh, recruiting women to enter the trade. You know, we have a, uh, uh, women in trades director, uh, Erica Stewart, who's out there, you know, spreading the message that, uh, you know, if you're a, a woman who's looking to, you know, have a, uh, you know, have a successful career and, and enter a trade where again, you can, um, support yourself and be supported by your, uh, by your other fellow brothers and sisters, then the Boilermakers are for you. Um, so I, I think it's, um, it's constant vigilance. Right. It's uh, it's leadership from our signatory employers, as well as, you know, our executive council uh, and the dedication of our uh, local lodge leaders. So uh, and, and having said that, and I, and I, I bring this up a decent amount, like we had a, a show uh, 
I guess over a year ago, uh, at, with one of your members, and I'll never forget it because it's he, it, it, it was a, he's a business agent out of uh, Pittsburgh, California. So uh, local 549, and and they put together a uh, a new endeavors, uh, you know, uh, program where they're always entertaining. And I know it's with the oversight of the international, um, you know, the new areas and the new technologies for hydrogen production, compressed air, energy store, storage, uh, you know, all kinds of, you know, uh, plastic refining, direct, you know, air cap, direct air capture, offshore wind, biofuels. I mean, the list goes on. Okay. And I, it's just so impressive. And it, it's great also, you know, with, with the leadership, having that foresight, like you said, um, it's just, it's, it's fantastic um, that, to, to know that our leadership is, uh, you know, paving a way for the future for our members. And you, like you talked about diversity, bringing women in, uh, you know, in, in, you know, in Philadelphia, we have the um, Women in Non-Traditional Careers Initiative, um, which is awesome. It's, it's, uh, so there's so much going on here. And I want the public to hear that because, um, you know, sometimes people have a stereotype of what labor is all about. And it's not even close to what's, what's really going on. Um, so having, having said that, um, you know, you, 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 we talk about our apprentice programs and our journeyman upgrade programs. You mentioned the new investment in there. But also, in this world, as much or more than ever, the importance of labor and politics and the need for us to get, in, to get involved. Now, I'm talking to two gentlemen um, who are at the forefront of, of that, with, you know, with the guidance of the international. Uh, and and it's, it's funny because a lot of rank and file members in every one of our unions um, and young people, especially when they come in, don't understand the connection, but really it's our life's blood and, and, and it, our lifelines being involved in that. Martin, if you would talk a little bit uh, about that and then Sean jump in there because you are involved at the forefront here in Pennsylvania. Sean, I mean, uh, Martin. So I, I, I think you hit on it, Joe. Um, it, I remember um, shortly after uh, I became a, a boilermaker and, you know, on the, um, the the topic of you know legislative and political engagement. Um, you know, I, I heard someone say that you know, being an organized laborer, we have a we have a responsibility um, because there are decisions that are being made at the local, state, federal level uh, every single day that affect our livelihoods. You know, we we have to be engaged. And here's a and, and another story that I tell uh, often is uh, uh, when I when I really became involved at the local level in uh, you know legislative political outreach and uh, we our, our state government affairs committee we organized our first uh, lobby week in, in Harrisburg and we met a, a labor friendly uh, state rep who uh, decided to talk to our group for a few minutes and he said I'm glad you're here because your enemies are here every single day you know, and you know, I've never forgotten that. So, you know, we, we have to stay engaged and, um, doing that it, 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 we're seen as a credible voice and, uh, particularly on, you know, the, the energy transition, um, you know, we want to make it known to our legislators that pop, you know, decisions that are being made, you know, our members are the ones that are being affected. Their ability to sustain a career, you know, is affected by, policies that you're considering. So, 
um, you know, we need to be seen as valued stakeholders, you know, in the decision making process. Sean, if you will, you you are engaged, you know, like very few in our state, internet, I mean, nationally, um, and of course in Western Pennsylvania. So, just to kind of you know piggyback on what Martin said, I, so as a boilermaker, you know, especially here in Western PA, at one time coal was king, and we were producing coal and uh, coal-fired electricity, and we needed to do better environmentally. So as Boilermakers and the rest of us, scrubbers, SCRs, okay? And then the push was still to get it out, so the big advancement was like, all right, natural gas, Western PA sitting on the Marcellus shelf. And so natural gas was the push to start retiring coal. Okay, so once we started the natural gas, now it was like, okay, we can't have that either. Um, on the environmental end, we've got to push towards the hydrogen carbon capture. So we're willing to move forward with the carbon capture and the hydrogen. But now we're saying, okay, well, we don't want that either because that's just promoting the longevity of the fossil fuel. So we've been, uh, you know, moving on every time it's been asked and to the point now we don't want anything. And we all know that that's not going to be possible. And so, like Martin said, as Boilermakers, we've been training to do this transition. We're ready to transition into anything they're throwing out there, but every time it's like the goalpost gets moved out of our, you know, that this isn't going to be it. So I think it's time, like Martin said, our enemies are here every day. They need to sit down and come down and really look at the true data and the true facts, and let's just get where we need to be, and let's do it in an environmentally safe way, and let's create these jobs because we spoke about this before, J-Doc. These renewable jobs are not Boilermaker jobs, and they're really not even organized labor jobs because they're not coming to us. These are cheaper, not family-sustaining jobs at this point, and all of us want to be a part of it. We'll build, a re we'll build a renewables, too, you know, in the building trades. Not the Boilermakers have a big role in it, but we're ready to do everything that we need to do, and it just doesn't seem like we're getting that same compliment from the ones that are pushing against everything. Absolutely. No question about it. And so let's let's do a little spitfire. And Sean and and, and uh, yeah, Brett Martin, if you, let's talk a, a little bit about um, you know some of these issues that you know the projects that you know first of all let, let's start off the importance of existing nuclear and natural gas. Okay, um, there's new reg, regu, uh, regulations uh, to get tax credits um, that destroys anything that has to do with natural gas, or uh, you know uh, to make hydrogen. First, uh, let's talk about um, the importance of, of our nuclear and natural gas. Um, it, Sean, if you would start off there. Yeah, sure. So um, we all know that we're, you know, the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, is throwing billions of dollars. I think it's $7.5 out there to uh, get into the hydrogen and the CCS part of it. And the regulations are, a, you know, are U.S. legislators. And now they're throwing out that the pink hydrogen is not going to be in on these on the money available on the tax credits that's being wrote by, uh, you know, our government officials now. And neither is blue hydrogen. So for me in Western PA, if we eliminate the blue hydrogen, I'm pretty much shocked. We're not going to build. That's what we're natural gas strong. Now, we do have nukes on this end, on the pink end of it. If, it, if we're not going to be able to produce hydrogen with the nuclears, and that, that might have a shot in the Mach 2. Arch 2 would get kneecapped out. It wouldn't be possible. 
And this is where, like, uh, that we're trying to work with our legislators now, like, okay, time out. Let's go. We got to get on the board here and we got to figure out what we're going to do. And we need to educate. So when we get platforms like you're giving us right now, this is the time that we need to educate everybody and say, hey, listen, it can't be all one way. You can't have eggs in one basket. We need to have them with the pink, the gray, the blue, and the green, green being renewables. So Mark would like to kind of touch on that. I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now. And 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 if you would, guys, just briefly tell our listeners the difference between, you know, pink hydrogen, blue hydrogen, you know, and 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 first of all, when somebody's all you know, constantly moving the goalposts like this, there's another agenda. Yes. Okay. I mean, it's obvious um they're not going to be happy. And we all like, you know, you said, Sean, um, we just want to be a part of 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 of, of what's uh, developing, but people are not going to be happy until they have zero heat, so that, until they have zero air conditioning, and our grid is 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 overwhelmed. So many of these solutions are are not even possible; they're just not possible. But politically, they want to shut it down um, anyway. So, if you would, Martin, educate our listener a little bit on you know, what these types of hydrogen are and elaborate on what Sean said. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> often um, hydro- reference to hydrogen production is broken down along a color spectrum, right, with green hydrogen uh, being hydrogen produced from renewable sources, blue hydrogen produced from <clears throat> natural gas with carbon capture, and pink hydrogen from uh, nuclear sources. Um, but, you know, Sean hit on, I think, you know, a lot of the, the frustration that we and, you know, others, uh, you know, are having, the, the, especially with the proposed guidance that recently came out from Treasury on the, the tax credit for, uh, for hydrogen production that was uh, put in place by the Inflation Reduction Act. The, the intent of the IRA was to maximize production of clean hydrogen from multiple sources. Right. So, you know, we were all excited in October when the when the hub announcements came out. But then the proposed guidance from Treasury, you know, took the the temporarily took the wind out of our sails. So, as Sean said, if proposed policy becomes guidance, then, you know, existing nuclear uh, existing nuclear's ability to contribute to this transition to a hydrogen economy is going to be significantly compromised. And that's just going to lead to job loss for yeah, or lo- loss of job opportunities for our members and others. And it's typical a lot of times they, you know, there's new potential introduced and then they got it, okay, and and make it not possible. And so let's do this. We're going to spitfire and continue this conversation. We're going to have more from the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Dot and Krause and our guests Martin Williams and Sean Steffi when we come back. What's a boilermaker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. 
Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896. That's right, 1896. And specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600. Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing, power generation, and alternative energy. Get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600. This program is paid for by Advocacy United. Today's program is pre-recorded. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the Labor Union Community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. Welcome back to the Jacob Media Network and the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Dot and Krause. Uh, happy to have Mark Williams and Sean Steffi back on the program. Guys, let's continue uh, along this discussion, okay? Uh, we, we, we talk about a lot of the things that are going on. We, we, we get the app where everybody's excited about the hydrogen hubs. And now, of course, tax credits are, uh, you know, proposed tax credits and, 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 and rules. Uh, and, and, of course, extreme uh, environmentalist uh, agendas are gutting this thing so that, uh, you know, we have the opportunity. It's not going to be possible if it was up to uh, other people. So having said that, um, why? What is the reasoning that environmentalists say they want to shoot these things down? Uh, Sean? So my understanding is this, and, and Martin can piggyback on. So if we go ahead with the blue hydrogen, which is from natural gas, that all the environmentalists are saying that all we're doing is promoting the future of the use of fossil fuels then they want to eliminate that. So let's just go and look at, you know, so they want only green, which is coming from renewables, which is electrolysis process, which is very, uh, you know, intense and very energy intensive. It's not going to be possible. The facts and the data just doesn't back it up. We need to produce it from the natural gas, which will create lots of jobs and carbon capture. Okay. You got to have carbon capture in with that. And it's something that the boilermakers have been pushing. My God, how long now, Martin? 20 years going on. Okay. It's nothing that this came out of new technology. And we find ourselves fighting just to get this part of the hydrogen on the tax credits are important to get this to get started. And we're just talking about, you know, 7.5 billion. We're talking about probably a big gun. We're talking about tens of billions of dollars in employment. And we're not really welcoming it right now because we're listening to these environmentalists that really don't understand what it takes to produce electricity and use our energy. And we're also fuel rich in West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, especially. You know, Pennsylvania was the second leading producer of natural gas in the whole United States. Second, only behind Texas. What's interesting, okay. Sean, though, having said that, one of the reasons, uh, it, it, the primary reason why America has been first in reducing emissions across the world, okay, is because of natural gas. And, you know, you look at a lot of the pipelines that don't exist, okay? Yes. Well, what's, it what's, will take a bunch of infrastructure, Jay. Dog pipelines, the whole nine yards, and that's something the environmentalists do not want. Of course, they don't want it, but they would rather. And we have great teamsters and great truckers. But what's safer, a pipeline, okay, or a train or a, a truck ca carrying all of the load, okay? 
and 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 when you're you know you're, you're willing to shut yourself down, we're still going to need these resources to live. You know, it's it's our to support our way of life. So we're going to have to import them. Okay, I mean, at that that's that's another you know conversation, but there's no details in the in in the reasoning for a lot of these situations. So it's it's you know to say Twilight Zone esque is ridiculous. Um, when 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 you talk about these, let's talk about some of the projects that have been shut down. Talk about Clinton County project is in jeopardy. Um, literally billions of dollars of of projects. Sean, you want to jump on that? I sure would like to jump on. That's a great question, Jay Doc. Okay, so I'm just going to go give you a few examples. So. This was a Robinson Power LLC in Beach, uh, Beach Hollow. It was a thousand megawatt natural gas plant that was proposed in 2021. Billion dollars gone. Invenergy, 689 megawatt combined, combined cycle natural gas plant in Allegheny County gone. You had the Renova project, another 1.1 billion. We had Consul Energy wanting to build a waste coal and biomass plant with CCS, $2 billion gone. We had South Bend gas plant, 500 million gone. Omnis that went ended up going to Pleasance, West Virginia to build a graphite plant that hooked onto their Pleasance plant, went to West Virginia. Okay, we had the U.S. Steel that wanted to use hydrogen and build on $5.2 billion economic growth with a cogen. That was gone. Okay, now we've got mega brownfields. Okay, them are plants that are already gone that we're not building anything on. So you got Cheswick Power Plant, Masontown Power Plant, the Bruce Mansfield Power Plant, El Rama Power Plant, the Mitchell Power Plant, Reesdale Power Plant, and the Homer City Power Plant. How many billions of dollars do we want? That's just Western PA that we want to keep losing and not build any of our gas plants in the future. It's staggering when you look at these numbers and what we've lost. It's staggering, and we can't continue to do that. And so, I mean, Martin, you want to jump on that? So, you know, the the list that Sean ran down is like the tip of the iceberg, you know, in, in Pennsylvania, the, uh, the list of uh, plants that have closed in the last, you know, 15 years, it's, um, you know, it's astonishing, right? And it, it's not just Pennsylvania, you know, this is almost like an epidemic, you know, happening, you know, throughout the country. Um, but, you know, again, to, to get back to, you know, a point that you made, I think, before the break, um, you know, and, and we've said this to, to many you know, public officials, when we talk about an approach to an energy policy that is going to, um, you know, advance the, the goals of the state in terms of, you know, meeting, um, uh, meeting our climate goals, reducing carbon emissions, you know, we have to lean into what makes Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, right? So as you, as you mentioned, natural gas has been probably the, the largest contributor to our emissions reduction in the state, you know, something like 26%, you know, uh, over the last uh, 10 years. Uh, nuclear power continues to be the largest share, you know, of our you know, zero emissions energy in the state. So, any any policy that we're going to start talking about, like those, have to be the two pillars. You know, we can't we can't accept policy that's going to compromise those industries because one, we're not going to meet our climate goals, and two, uh, you know, our members are going to lose job opportunities as well. And so, you know, when you think about that, Sean, do we? These these projects that are getting shut down or, or, or uh, you know, not even starting, okay, in these facilities, um, do we still need the resources that they're producing, and how and where are we getting them? 
Uh, hey, we sure do. Great question, Jay Dog. I mean, we only got to look at this last cold snap we just had for nine days, okay? All right. We're, anybody that pays attention and looked at the grid, the PJM grid, which is 13 state, what, 66 million customers, which Pennsylvania is the leading exporter in the PJM, okay? We were just holding on again. We came through it, but what was the ones that produced and gave everybody kept their lights on? It was gas, nuclear, and coal. At some points, coal was outproducing nuclear because it's an on-demand, reliable electricity source. So if you only got to look as far as Maryland and see what was supposed to be closed in 2025, it was like Braden Shores was closing a coal plant down in some smaller peaker units. What happened? The PJM came in and said, whoa. Can't take them down. It's a reliability issue. We can't shut down right now. We got ourselves right to the cost, Bob. We cannot shut any more down. We're not getting anything else in the queue. And if you looked at the renewables that were on these last nine days, they weren't cutting it again, okay? It's not there. I'm not cutting on renewables, but they're not ready to come and take the place to our reliable baseload electricity producers like gas, coal, and nuclear. We're not there. And we need to get into the hydrogen and the carbon capture to keep producing with our fossil fuels and clean the environment up. And that's why I'm so upset over the 45V that is going to kneecap out the hydrogen hubs, which basically the Arch 2 hydrogen hub. We can't keep doing this. So to the environmentalists out there, hey, I'm all with you. I want to work with you. But, you know, when you come in and you shut these places down and you cause permitting and regulation problems and shut it down, they never come back to these towns like Renova. They never come back to Homer City. They're gone. They leave. They leave us in the dust. And all of our men and women that work in the industry that live here that are lifelong residents, they left without a job. Our communities are left without that tax base. So it's time to move forward here. And I really think our governor, Governor Shapiro, needs to move forward. He needs a little bit of a break from the environmental groups and back off a little bit. Let's come to an even kilter here and let's move on with what we need to move on with. And it can't be one-sided. You know, I, a conversation I had with one of our recent uh, uh, policymakers, Pennsylvania uh, state senators, um, they, and not to mention even party leaders, okay? Um, they understand what's going on face-to-face when you're, when you're talking to them, they understand that we can't survive, okay, on renewables by alone. That is not a transition. Um, you know, there's so many, of course, the, the, the scale, the pay scale and all that stuff aside, everybody, you know, who, who's, uh, who understands what's going on, political leaders across the board, they may not understand everything and they need to be educated as much as everybody. That's why it's important for us to all work together, and that's what we're saying here. But they know we can't just flick a switch, okay? What I think is going on is you have you have uh, you know these extreme uh, environmental groups who are funding a lot of this, who are literally walking in and saying, you know, um, you know we're we're you know we're we're coming we're coming after you. We're going to oppose you. We're going to do all. So they're getting a lot of heat on a constant basis. I think it's important for us, like we're doing now, to give them a leg to stand on. I think that's what we're doing. Um, now, you're going to have your, you know, your political leaders that are just hell-bent at all costs. But I think that, in a sense, educating uh, you know, uh, our political leaders that understand these policies and giving them a leg to stand on 
uh, lets them know they're not hanging out there to dry. Having said that, we talked, we mentioned uh, carbon capture, okay? And, you know, let's talk about that. I want, I want the listeners um, you know, to, who haven't, you know, heard, you know, listened to our show when we talked about that to understand it. Uh, Martin, basic, basic conversation and basic description of what carbon capture is. So I would say, you know, carbon capture is, as the name implies, you know, it's uh, uh, em, you know, emissions control technology that's applied to, you know, an industrial process, you know, it's, uh, power generation, for example, that captures carbon dioxide that is produced, you know, during, you know, during that respective process. Um, the, uh, the carbon dioxide that's produced is captured, and it can either be uh, transported to be stored in a uh, you know, underground and geologic storage site, you know, or it can be transported to be used uh, in some other beneficial use, uh, whether it's to make low carbon fuels or uh, for what's called enhanced reco uh, oil recovery to extend the life of existing oil wells. But, um, you know, that's, that's carbon capture uh, in a nutshell. And when we talk about it, carbon capture, and, and there's boilermakers across the country, which you represent in, in, in every state. And so, um, so, you know, so let's, you know, for the record, you know, we, these projects, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, when, when, when you have like what's going on in Pennsylvania, uh, we lose these projects. They go to a, a, a red state, a, a non, where, where they support non-union. And we're going to get into that conversation. Um, and, and so we're, part of our initiative is obviously common sense and energy, but also maintaining you know, like Sean, you you went. Well, I'll say it every time. You went to a job fair that you know for renewables just to test the environment. Fifteen dollar an hour jobs. You'd have to be on public assistance to take that job. Okay. Having said that, okay, in Pennsylvania, okay, we are we're losing with the you know carbon capture is stalling. Okay, talk about you know legislative efforts to support carbon capture. Because it's important, but if we can't get it done, it's not going to happen. So, great, great, great question on that, Jay Doc. And here's the best way I can explain it, and Martin might want to piggyback on. So, you got to go after uh, primacy, and that is to set the regulation or legislation up to have the carbon capture. That is to show that you have a geological formation, you've done everything, and you've got to submit this to the EPA. And to get primacy, you know, some states already have it. I think it's North Dakota, Wyoming. I think Louisiana was just awarded it. And I know the next in the queue is uh, will be Texas and West Virginia. They have all done all their, you know, dotted their I's, crossed their T's. We're not even there yet in Pennsylvania. And I can't believe it or not there's a leader in exporting electricity and all of our natural resources. We've been sleeping at the wheel. And like a good way to explain to get this primacy, it takes a long time. We're talking a couple years, okay? And it's almost like finding a golden ticket to Willy Wonka bar, okay? You got to be able to to get this. And now everybody's trying to jump on board because you got the forty five R tax credit. Am I correct, Martin? Which makes it viable to make money on 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 carbon capture. Okay, I think it's eighty dollars a ton. OK, so that gives your incentive to 
people to come in and want to build and do the carbon capture. We got to get on board here. We got to figure out what we got to do, but we're sleeping at the wheel. So this is a big player moving forward. And here we are again. We're one of the, we are the leaders in, in, in electricity generation. We've got all the natural resources and we're not stepping it up. And if we don't, like you said, these jobs are going to go somewhere else. And that is going to play a role in new natural gas plants. If we're going to build them to produce hydrogen and carbon capture, we got to have it. If we don't have promise, we're not going to build these plants in Western PA. They're going to get built in Ohio, West Virginia, Louisiana, Texas, all these other places. And it's time to, you know, wake up. That's where we're at. And Martin, uh, nationally speaking, okay, um, where are we with um, with carbon capture? Obviously, you guys have been, uh, you know, advocating on it across the board. You represent boilermakers across the country. Uh, where are we nationally? So as uh, as Sean mentioned, you know, so in, in many ways, the, the conditions are there for uh, you know, development of carbon capture to happen. There's a pretty robust uh, federal tax credit, which you know, has been described by many countries as like the, the, the leading incentive to promote carbon capture. Um, but um, you know, some states have, have taken action to, to promote their industry, um, whether it's applying for primacy, like, like Sean mentioned, uh, um, and it, you know, very quickly when I saw that news that Louisiana was was granted primacy, um, when I when I got this job in 2019, you know, I I remember meeting a Louisiana regulator who told me then that they were working on um, uh, applying to the EPA for primacy. So that was almost five years ago, and they just got it right. So I mean, if Pennsylvania is going to um, make any advancement, the, the time was yesterday. But um, the 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 questions that remain for carbon capture to really take off in this country. So um, yeah, you have states trying to figure out their own rules for uh, who owns the the poor space. You know that would be under a uh, under a project. Uh, you know who's liable for the stored carbon. But the biggest the biggest piece missing is uh, the rules around pipeline transport. So uh, you know some states again. You know whether it's uh, Wyoming, North Dakota. You know, they've been able to put those rules in place, even Louisiana. But um, there's federal rulemaking right now around carbon dioxide uh, pipeline you know, transport safety. Once I think once that rulemaking concludes, then you're going to really see some uh, some state action you know, quickly take place. But that's that's the big missing component. You know, we we have the storage in this country. There's I mean, hundreds of years of storage. We need to figure out how to transport it safely. Having said that, permitting reform, okay, when you talk about a lot of the- yeah, Absolutely, right? absolutely. I mean, 10 years, okay, 10 years to get some of these uh, projects. And, uh, and so that's a, good, that's a good point. I mean, to you know, connect it back to an earlier discussion on, uh, on the hydrogen hubs, right? So, you know, we have our friends on, you know, uh, in the environmental community who, who uh, wanna see the additionality component become policy, but we know how long it takes for these projects to get permit, even on the renewable side, right? So if, again, if, if guidance becomes policy, then, you know, we're really compromising the viability of these hubs. We're talking here at seven to 10 years, instead of allowing existing facilities to start contributing to that transition, it doesn't make sense. Having said that, we got about a minute and a half and I want to get, you know, 
I know, uh, Sean, you wanted to talk about uh, renewable projects that have been promised that are not going union, okay? And political accountability, uh, a, a vote against natural gas, hydrogen, uh, you know, and, and energy sector projects, uh, uh, you know, is in many cases a vote for non-union and, and against the unions. Let's talk about real quick, because we only got a real short amount of time, but the renewable projects that have been promised that are not going union and keeping political accountability with individuals that, you know, they're not supporting these projects and therefore they're going elsewhere in non-union supporting states um, and we're losing them. Talk, Sean, you want to jump on that? And then, I, and then I sure more. will. On, on the renewable end of it, so listen, I'm the president of South Central Building Trades. I got like seven counties there. Uh, my counterpart, Jeff Miller, is in North Central Building Trades and then Pittsburgh here at Allegheny County Building Trade. In the last five years, I have yet to see a solar or wind developer come to our building trades and say, hey, listen, I'm going to build this project here in PA. I'm going to need the help of the building trades, not one. But if you were going to build these natural gas plants and what we build, I think, like $14 billion in the last 10 years, every one of these developers have come to us for manpower, okay? They've came for our skilled labor and our manpower. They're not coming to us for the renewables because they're not paying that family-sustaining wage, and they're not going to pay it. And that is the big holdup right there, and there's nobody that can deny that. Nobody can deny those facts. That is the hard fact reality. And like Martin said, it's time to start moving forward and get ourselves set up to move into the future and provide jobs. And these carbon capture jobs and hydrogen jobs and these plants, I guarantee you puts all of us to work in the building trades. Not only Boilermakers, but all of us, okay, with a lot of our members. Martin, if you want to, uh, you want to close it up, my friend? Yeah, so uh, perfect point that Sean brought up, right? You know, the reason why we uh, participate in forums like this, you know, we want to bring attention to the potential, you know, for, for job creation through sensible energy policies. Joe, you've been on uh, outages and turnarounds, right? You, it's like, you, you know how many thousands of uh, building trades members are going to be put to work through a retrofit of a, a, a power plant for carbon capture or retrofit of like a steel mill? And it's not like, Pennsylvania or other states have one or two, you know, we're talking about hundreds of facilities that have the potential to create, uh, you know, uh, to pr you know, promote sustained job creation over years, possibly decades. Um, we need sensible energy policy that works for everyone. Gentlemen, Martin Williams, uh, Sean, Steffi, want to thank both of you, as a, uh, you know, for being on the show, for doing what you do every day. Not only on behalf of your members, but but on behalf of the general public. Uh, so common sense energy policy and common sense and energy uh, and projects uh, that will support our way of life, but also protect the environment continue across uh, not only Pennsylvania, uh, but across the land. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Jay. Doc, keep it going. We need you. This is what we need. This platform needs shows. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you, Joe. All right, gentlemen, we're going to have more from the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Dot and Krause when we come back. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. 
Can you afford a brand new electric car or a charging station for your home? Want to spend your days waiting in line at a public charging station? Well, buckle up. Delaware and New Jersey are planning to ban the sale of gas-powered cars by 2035. Most drivers can't afford it, don't need it, and don't want it. Tell Governor Carney and Governor Murphy to stop the EV mandate and let drivers decide. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. And back here on the Labor and Energy Show with Jadok and Krause. Jadok, I gotta be, I, I've got to confess to you, uh, I literally, as I listened to uh, your interview and listened to the last two segments with Martin and Sean, I'm literally jumping through the screen or, uh, just because I don't understand why it's so hard to understand common sense and understand what you're talking about. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Joe, people have agendas. And, you know, you can hear by um, obviously, uh, uh, you know, listening to Martin and Sean that they want uh, solutions uh, that work for everybody. Okay. You heard, you know, Sean Stephanie said at the beginning of the show, the environment is such a priority. But uh, these projects in the billions are getting shut down. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're importing, you know, we're importing, uh, of, you know, the same uh, resources that we're shutting down. Um, and, you know, people just, they're just missing the boat on this. But, right? you know, there's an agenda uh, that is being, you know, that has a process that is trying to shut our entire industry down. And at the end of the day, it technologically is not possible. And so um, they certainly, uh, you know, are not listening, do not want to work together. And thankfully, uh, because of our labor unions and our energy sector leadership, we want to work together. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and, and this platform, uh, Joe, I think we have a shot, but I'm not surprised that you're confused. I'm sure a lot of people are confused on why these things are taking place. Yeah, as you know, I consume the show as a listener, as a viewer, and I try and, you know, process everything with the understanding that for every action, there's a reaction. And is that reaction going to be good? Or is that reaction going to be bad? Well, Joe, I'd, I'd say this. I, I take it a step further and I say, you can do what you want, okay? But you cannot avoid the consequences. Yes. Okay, so... Um, you know, uh, the, the, the energy resources that we have, okay, have supported our way of life. However, no one's sitting here saying things can't improve and we can't, um, you know, make that, you know, net zero is a priority to everybody. Um, at the end of the day, um, you know, our environment is incredibly, I mean, it's, you know, second to none. It's a, a major priority. However, shutting ourselves down and not working together to find better solutions, so it's not the answer. And so these individuals want to shut us down, okay, because it doesn't promote their agenda, and 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 shut not us but our, our natural resources down, um, because they say it, it it doesn't promote their agenda for the future. Instead of working together with some of these incredibly resourceful companies, our unions, and uh, and you know our communities to get this done the right way. So there you go. 
the Labor and Energy Show with JDoc and Krause. Special thanks again uh, to all of our listeners and viewers tuning in across the Jacob Network, uh, consuming on terrestrial radio, consuming, consuming online, and of course, downloading the podcast on Apple and Spotify. On behalf of my partner, uh, JDoc, on behalf of Martin and Sean, our two special guests, and our producer today, Katiri Krause, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. You can help. Call your congressperson and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Advocacy United. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Advocacy United or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHD or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.